When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yeah, look, it was pretty tough. I don't think I've ever been that nervous. Um, told the boys that I've probably rehearsed that uh, speech course for about a year and a half. Constantly on the way to trainings, to games. Um, this morning, a few weeks ago, um, also at times where I thought I was going to retire a bit earlier than right now. So yeah, but um, mate, pretty content um, with the decision based on the knee, and then um, yeah, it's been a been a crazy journey. When did you reach the decision and lock it in? Um, probably sat down with Simo before the mid-season buy, um, just assessing this back after the year. Um, Start of the year, uh, the knee was giving me a bit of grief in pre-season, and um, but I just I just wanted to train and play, and um, kind of recommendations from Simo and the conversations we had with um, with Kofi, our fitness guy, was uh, we just need to manage this, and I kind of overruled and said no, nah, I just want to train as much as I can and play as much as I can, and it was probably a bad decision um, because that first half of the year uh, was a little bit tough on the knee, um, so the back end of the year we we kind of. I took Simo's advice and been able to manage and plan and and yeah and then um, I suppose deciding on the Adelaide game being the last home game um, in front of in front of our home fans West Coast fans was um, was the decision to, to finish there and that was if I made it there was there's probably countless times leading post the Essendon game into that block of three I wanted to play three games in a row and um, yeah, it was probably time off, even pre-Hawthorne and after Hawthorne, where I thought, no, nah, I think St Kilda will be my last, but we kind of got through in the end. Yeah, certainly the story of the day, and it's been pretty well covered from uh, this morning, where it was announced that Josh Kennedy would finally pull up stumps, hang up the boots as of uh, this Sunday evening, when he'll roll out for the West Coast Eagles at 2.10 against the Adelaide Crows. He turns 35 on the 25th of this month. That's just... Uh, in around about three weeks' time. Uh, born in Melbourne, actually, and his family did a bit of uh, travelling uh, work-wise through his father uh, in the early days before they settled in Northampton. Was picked up as the number four draft pick in the 2005 draft. As we know, he spent two years at Carlton, amassed 22 games in those two years of 2006 and 2007, and somewhat reluctantly... Uh, was traded to the West Coast Eagles. Uh, it was probably against his will. He had settled in nicely at the Blues, one of the big clubs uh, in the AFL and in the heartland of Australian rules football. But as we know, uh, history now paints a different tune after what he achieved at the West Coast Eagles. A further 270 games, 704 goals, and a premiership player in 2018 and a seven-time West Coast leading goal kicker and a couple of Coleman medals to go with it. So Josh Kennedy, and we've been discussing it at length right throughout the season, that this would finally come. Uh, you're never quite ready for it, but no doubt it was embraced by all in sundry today. 
and it was broken on his regular breakfast segment on Radio 6PR here in Perth. And he was asked the question of where does he think he ranks now in all-time West Coast Eagles greats? To be honest, um, to be put in the categories of, you know, um, I suppose the greats of this footy club, John Warsfold, um, Glenn Jakovic, who I, I think is the, the greatest West Coast Eagles player to ever play here, um, Peter Matera, Peter Sumich, you know, um, those guys, you know, Dean Cox. Um, yeah, it is quite humbling. It's, um, yeah, it's something that I'll probably reflect on later on, but I, I just don't feel like my name should be etched next to those guys because they've been superstars of, of our footy club and um, the impact they've had on the footy club has been tremendous. So, um, yeah, it's quite weird, I suppose, thinking about it, but um, quite humbling at the same time. Kennedy was also asked the best player that he played with in his time at the Eagles. That is such a tough question. I'm, I'm probably going to have to say Dean Cox. Um, I think, yeah, he, he was a remarkable player. Um, revolutionised the game with the Ruckman, being able to run around the ground, you know, have 25 or 30 touches, run the wing, have bounces, kick goals. And just his presence in standing up in games, you know, the amount of times we needed a mark down the line or in a mark and goal or just a mark in defensive 50, because he, was, he, just, he just relished those moments. He absolutely loved them. And, um you know, I think close would be Daniel Curry was a remarkable player. Um, but, yeah, I'll probably have, to, probably have to say Dean Cox. And finally, he was also asked the hardest player that he played on during the course of his illustrious AFL career. Oh, to be honest, the toughest over my career, and I've said this many times, but I have to be Luke McFarlane from Fremantle Dockers. He was, um, you know, he was, he was a quality backman. He was... Uh, um, He's a great person off the field as well. And I just always love those battles with, with great backmen and where you could shake hands at the start of the game, you go toe-to-toe, and regardless of whether you, uh, whether I won or he won, or you just shake hands at the end, and um, there was always that mutual respect. I, I loved playing against players like that. And, yeah, Luke, his ability to sit off you with his speed was a lot quicker than me. Um, you know, you think you'd have so much space and get a spoil in, and... Um, he was really close checking. And then, you know, with him sitting off you and a high ball come in, you know, if you got too far, you'd take a hang on your head. So um, Luke McFarlane would probably have to be the hardest player that um, I've played on in my career. Josh Kennedy, and we will continue to salute him during the course of the program tonight. Drive with Peter Vlahos. All thanks to Toolmart, the Complete Tool Centre. Very shortly, we'll be speaking to Harry Taylor, a man that has, in his own right, also had a celebrated AFL career. Josh started at the West Coast Eagles in 2008. Harry Taylor started at Geelong in 2008. Harry had to give the game away a couple of years ago at the end of the 2020 season. And it's Josh has gone a couple of years longer. But collectively, those two from the little tiny town in the Midwest of Western Australia have amassed 572 games of AFL football, which is quite incredible. We'll touch base with Harry Taylor shortly and he'll reflect on the friendship and what he thought about the announcement today and also, you know, his thoughts on Josh Kennedy as a footballer because they came up against uh, each other many times in their battles when Geelong used to take on the Eagles. So Harry Taylor's going to join us a bit later on. Carl Langdon's going to pop in and have a chat with yours truly as well. Now, Carl is the on-ground announcer for many years at the West Coast. And he was part of that golden generation that won a premiership in 92 and, of course, 94, even though Carl didn't make it to the 94 grand final due to injury. But we'll talk about 
asked Carl about what it was like to be connected with Josh Kennedy and what he was like amongst his teammates, particularly on match day, because Carl had a bit of a uh, uh, a special arrangement where he could go into the rooms. And also we'll talk to him about to how he rates Josh Kennedy compared to the players that he played with when it was a star-studded midfield. And there's been some great players that played for the West Coast Eagles Football Club. We'll touch on the Commonwealth Games a bit later on as well. Of course, the Birmingham 2022 Commonwealth Games are live, free and exclusive on 7 and 7 Plus. And you can download the 7 Plus app for your smart TV, mobile or tablet. Now we'll look back at the big events in the last 24 hours. And then Greg Norman, I will feature. Now he spoke in a sit-down interview in the United States overnight on a Fox News television broadcast with uh, Tucker Carlson about the Live Golf Series. And he was quite frank about a few aspects that I haven't uh, heard Norman talk about. He unveiled a bit more of the backroom stuff uh, regarding the current Rebel, as many people see it, Golf Series. So we'll feature that a bit later on as well. But we'll take a break. On the other side of the break, we'll come back with Harry Taylor, Josh Kennedy's mate from Northampton, uh, where they, of course, uh, played alongside each other and against each other for many, many years. That's coming up next here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yes, well, that second cold front of three is uh, ripping through Perth and the southwest at the moment. Uh, very windy out there. The rain's coming in sideways. So if you are on your way home, wherever you may be, uh, through the Perth metropolitan area, listening on SEN 657, maybe down in the southwest uh, through SEN Spirit 621, through Bunbury in the southwest, do take care if you're heading home from work or out on the road at the moment. It, uh, conditions pretty hazardous. And a very good evening to everybody listening on SEN 1611 in the goldfields in Kalgoorlie, where it's probably a lot milder. You may be listening on digital radio at SEN Peel or anywhere around Australia or around the world on the SENWA app. Josh Kennedy, the big story today. And let's continue uh, saluting him as one of the greats uh, of AFL footy and in particular the West Coast Eagles. A man that played in two premierships a couple of times. He was an All-Australian and uh, he was and still is one of Josh Kennedy's best mates. He played for Geelong. Uh, in a very illustrious career, uh, 280 games. We're talking about Harry Taylor, and Harry joins us on the program. Hi, Harry. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's uh, yeah, it's a, uh, a great topic to be talking about. Someone uh, I care deeply about. Yeah, I still recall, and uh, we always look back at uh, fond memories of Harry Taylor and Josh Kennedy growing up in Northampton, wearing those Rams jumpers, the green and gold. You've kept that friendship alive from those early days, haven't you? Yeah, we have. We're, uh, I think we've been connected by footy for a very long time. Obviously, our uh, footy journey started at a young age together down on the little the little oval, we used to call it, which was the school oval, uh, where we'd play all our junior footy. Um, and then we sort of crossed paths again at East Fremantle. And then, uh, fortunately, uh, we got to play on each other quite a bit at AFL level. So um, our journeys have always been very connected. And, um, yeah, I've been very, very... Uh, 
I guess, humbled and grateful to get to play on someone like Josh Kennedy because he is an absolute star of the competition. And no doubt you still communicate, even though, of course, you're back at Geelong and he's still up until today. In fact, this weekend, still involved in uh, with the West Coast Eagles. But I gather, as a, as a close friend, you saw this coming because his body has taken a bit of a battering over the years. Yeah, it has. He's played the game um, in, a, in a really brutal way. Uh, which does it? It does take a toll on your your body physically. Certainly, his mind, no doubt as well. Um, you, can only, you only have to be sort of half good at math to realise he's probably done a fair few k's on aeroplanes, buses, and uh, slept in a lot of hotel beds uh, that aren't his own uh, over a long part of his career. So uh, that's a lot of nights away from family and all these other things that he's had to deal with. Um, it is an extraordinary effort uh, to get to that many games. Um, and certainly the quality of the games that he's played is what stands out to me. He was always a player um, who, I would, who I would play on who would just sort of keep me up a little bit longer that week, trying to do a little bit more preparation, <laughs> trying to find some uh, chinks in a pretty robust armour. What was it like playing against uh, your mate uh, all those years? You started, as we know, at Geelong in 2008. He had those two years at Carlton before he came to West Coast in 2008 and embedded himself inside the West Coast Eagles. What was it like when you knew you were going to come up against your mate? Yeah, it was a challenge. (laughs) There's no doubt about that. West Coast, um, for the most part, uh, playing against them, they've had a really strong midfield, very strong ruckman who give uh, their forward line first look at the ball from centre bounces, and it's one of the toughest spots to be in as a defender. Certainly when the 6-6 six, six, uh, six rule came in, it made it even tougher. So um, certainly, yeah, very, very challenging. The thing that stands out for me with, with Josh, uh, which I think sets him um, apart from a lot of other players who play that position, is just his selflessness, his ability to obviously be the centre uh, forward or full forward. The, the guy who kicks the majority of goals for the team over the course of the year, it's quite a paradox to think that that person's probably one of the more selfless players on the team. But that's what he is. He he just does things to help his teammates. And you might see it through goal assists, but you might not see it through the way he leads and the patterns that he opens up for other players. Uh, he's just fantastic at bringing other teammates into the game and that's what made him so hard to play against. Even at the press conference today, he was more happy to acknowledge other individuals rather than himself. He brought up the likes of Luke Shuey and Andrew Gaff who in recent times have fed him of course as he's led at centre half forward and he goes back, he was full of praise, it must be the, the fishing family but he was full of praise for people like Mark Lacrasse. So he has been fortunate and of course Peter Sumich has been his mentor, was the forwards coach at West Coast for a number of years and they still used to catch up regularly. And I think he always used to have the ear of uh, Peter Sumich. So he, he was one of those guys that was just down to earth and was never dismissive of anybody or any individual, was he? No, he's exactly right. Uh, some of his best character traits would be his determination. He's got an absolute will to want to win and be the absolute best he can. But it's ringed with a fence of humility. And that's, uh, again, that's probably a paradox in many ways. People that are absolutely determined in what they can do, um, don't always have the humility that uh, surrounds it and follows it. And Josh has certainly got those two things. Just a, a highly respected individual, no doubt within his club. He's certainly respected around the competition. But that caring nature mixed in with the determination has been there since I can, you know, as long as I can remember, way back to under 10s, 
<laughs> he used to be exactly the same, very determined to want to win and be his best, but the first person to be considerate and caring at the same time. Saying that, have you been surprised by his longevity? Uh, I know he's had a lot of surgeries. and I know he's played the game, as, a, as I say, at a, at a brutal, brutal level for a long time. Um, but that will and that determination, uh, certainly of, of uh, his mind, has probably got him this far. And the great thing is those traits don't leave you when you finish the game. They actually come with you. You don't just leave them in your locker when you walk out the door. They actually come in the bag with you. So whatever he chooses to do next, that same will and determination mixed in with the humility, I think success will follow him wherever he goes because of that. Certainly an absolute champion of the game. There's no question about that. And I gather he's also being revered where you are in Victoria, which is the heartland of AFL football. There wouldn't be too many in uh, Victoria that would be dismissive of what Josh Kennedy has achieved. No, no doubt at all. He would be highly regarded in all states and territories. I think he's been a fantastic contributor to uh, certainly the West Coast Football Club. Um, He played a small part in, in, uh, in Carlton's. Uh, beginnings as well back in 08 and whatnot, but uh, sorry before that. But uh, geez, he's he's been an absolute champion of the league. So humble um, in terms of how he's carried himself, highly respected. Um, I'm sure from opposition coaches and players, and uh, yeah, I mean it is sad to see the champions of clubs and the game uh, have to retire at some point. But that is the inevitable nature of the game. Physiology will get us at some point, and. Uh, yeah, you just have to make the most of the time you've got whilst you're out there. And I think JK's done that to perfection. Of course, you had to make the call at the end of the 2020 season. Uh, I suppose you can sympathise with JK. He's gone a couple of uh, seasons longer than yourself, Harry. But saying that, uh, uh, you've certainly moved on and you've stayed involved in football. I think JK's got other interests and he's also working on that foundation, of course, in the Midwest, which is going to take a lot of his time. So he's prepared to give back, isn't he? Yeah, that's, that would speak to his caring and considerate nature. He's um, got a really loving and, and uh, fantastic family and uh, he certainly um, has a big influence on how his family operates um, through the way that he carries himself and he is he's a really giving sort of soul and uh, I'm sure whatever he chooses to do, he's going to do it really well. He's going to do it um, in a way which is uh, going to get a lot of respect from many, many people, just like we've respected him through his footy career. Now, two 10-year-olds that played together at Northampton, would you believe, have notched up, what, 572 games of AFL football, which is quite incredible. What, 280 by yourself and 292 by Josh Kennedy. The question was asked, will you ever play footy again? Because you always said you may want to play up at Northampton. And he said, uh, yeah, if Harry ever comes back and my body stands up, we may play that game that everybody's talked about, Harry Taylor and also Josh Kennedy having one last hit out at Northampton. Is it still on your radar now that he's retired? Oh, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) That is one thing we remind each other of occasionally. And, uh, yeah, I certainly... Would love to actually have a run around again with him, um, like we did back in under 10s and 12s, as opposed <laughs> to always playing on him for the last sort of 13 or 14 years. But uh, yeah, let's hope that um, we can make that happen at some point. I know the Northampton community would uh, get a hell of a lot out of it, and I certainly would myself. It would be a um, be a wonderful memory and certainly a wonderful experience. And finally, no doubt, if you haven't reached out already because you've been very busy uh, at Geelong, you'll be cut- touching base with him very shortly, I gather. 
Yeah, I, you've reached out, but um, we'll certainly hopefully catch up in person at some point. Managed to see him uh, when we did play over there around the middle of the season and just shake his hand and, um, yeah, say hello, but um, would love to catch up with him in person and um, wrap the arms around him and uh, congratulate him on what's been an unbelievable career. Good on you, Harry. I'm not going to touch on Geelong. You're doing just beautifully over there at the moment. I don't want to put any mocker on the, the Cats. They are flying, and uh, we wish you the best of luck for the remainder of the season. And thanks for spending some time with us here on Drive. No worries at all. Thanks for having me. There you go, Harry Taylor. Lovely to have a chat to you, Harry. Thanks for spending some time with us. Very busy. He's working quite diligently there at the Cats. We're going to finish up with the, the tribute to Josh Kennedy. Carl Langdon's going to spend a few moments with us here in the SENWA studio to give us his thoughts on uh, Josh Kennedy and where he thinks he rates in uh, the greats of uh, that great club being the West Coast Eagles. So we'll have a bit of a chat with Carl Langdon next here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. 28 past five on this wild and woolly Tuesday night. Uh, very shortly, we'll uh, bring you up to date with everything that's happening at the Commonwealth Games. And of course, you can see all the Commonwealth Games action on 7 Plus. Watch uh, event replays, minis, uh, trending highlights, and all the best action on demand. Plus, keep up to date with the medal tally results and event schedule. The Birmingham 22 Commonwealth Games, live, free and exclusive on 7 and 7 Plus. Download the 7 Plus app for your smart TV, mobile or tablet now. Let's go to Carl Langdon, who, uh, former West Coast Eagles Premiership player, played in the 1992 Premiership side, of course, has been a broadcaster now for well over 20 years and uh, also is uh, the main man on match day at ground level where he uh, gets involved with the players and the fans and all that. I thought I'd invite Carl into the program to have a bit of a chat about uh, Josh Kennedy and his thoughts on the big announcement today. Carl, thanks for joining us. No worries, Pete. Were you surprised by the decision today? No, I actually knew it was coming, uh, to be perfectly <laughs> honest, as we predicted last night uh, on Sports Day. But, uh, look, not surprised. And uh, it's been a wonderful career for JK, and it's nice to reflect on that today. He's been such a lovable character. I don't think there's anybody that's ever said a bad word about Josh Kennedy and the way he's played football. Absolutely not. I don't know if he's ever been reported. I can't actually remember off the top of my head. But uh, in the way that he's played the game and just reflecting back to uh, the Freddie Flintstone goal-kicking style that he started with to actually get himself out of that and to be one of the most accurate in the game in the end, I think is a credit to him. You've done a lot with the West Coast Eagles. Of course, you're involved on match day. You have the privacy of going into the rooms and and talking to the players. Is he one of the most respected West Coast Eagles uh, in recent times? Absolutely. I think that when you think about the leadership at West Coast and the longevity of both he and probably particularly Shannon Hearn, I think that when you think about their influence at the football club and then a rung behind them, and they're not too far behind, a bloke's like... Nick Nat Nui, um, Luke Shuey, the current skipper. I mean, they're in there. I think Shuey's 32 uh, and Nick Nat's not far behind. So when you think about those characters and what they've given to the football club, I know that Andrew Gaff had that incident with um, Andrew Brayshaw as well. But for the most part, that leadership group of older statesmen at the West Coast Eagles are a, a pretty solid group of individuals. Today's press conference, he was glowing of the praise of Peter Sumich, who was the forwards coach uh, for a number of years at the West Coast Eagles, was a mentor while he was there at the Eagles and still is a mentor. So Peter Sumich has had a lot to do with Josh Kennedy. Yeah, and I think that for what 
Sumer has done, I think, for this um, state, when you reflect on his own individual coaching career in his own right back at South Fremantle in the late 90s and then getting an opportunity alongside his great mate, John Warsfold. It's a shame that he didn't get an opportunity to coach a senior football team. He's been really close a few times, including at West Coast, but in the end, he hasn't gotten that role. But then to go on and coach our, our state uh, players, the, the former Teal Cup of the Under-18s Championship, and to win that, uh, a couple of times with the youngsters coming through and continue his involvement as a coach with individuals like JK, I think just shows the profound impact that T individually has had on the game. And the other player you highlighted, apart from Luke Shuey, who certainly has been a, a fantastic leader and a fantastic midfielder who's fed him over the years, was Mark Lacroix. Uh, put him right at the top of players that he loved playing with uh, and working with. Yeah, well, I think that those two, uh, and probably myself, we've all got a love of fishing. So, you know, you always <laughs> stick very close to your mates that love fishing. And that's why Nick Nat and Shannon Hearn and, and JK and Lecker have always got on so well. Because away from the footy field, uh, quite often they would, and, and Jeremy McGovern's another one we can throw into that mix. Quite often these guys will be going on their fishing trips. They'll be heading somewhere north of Perth. And, um, you know, whether that be Savannah's, which is Lecker's hometown, or all the way up to Northampton and, and beyond to Dampier and those sorts of places, those boys have always stuck fat on that front. Yeah, it's interesting. He said at the press conference today, if Lecker plays a game for Northampton, I might play a couple for Cervantes. Well, Lecker the other day has booted 15. Yeah, I know. So I can just imagine how many JK would kick, <laughs> um, particularly if he went straight. But, yeah, I don't know whether he'll have the desire, whether his body will allow him to. But we do see a number of these former AFL players going back. We saw Cam Mooney just recently uh, pop up in a game. Didn't help, by the way. The team still got flogged. But uh, it's good to see these guys giving back to the, the country regions and having a cracking community footy. You played during that golden generation, of course, when the side came into the AFL, those two premierships. You played in 92. You were just out in 1994 due to injury. And now, as I said, you've been involved as a broadcaster, done a lot of the match day uh, happenings at the West Coast Eagles. Where do you think JK fits in relation to all categories as a footballer, what he served on the field, off the field, and his general appeal to the West Coast Eagles fans? Well, he... And, and you might disagree with this. But for me, Peter Sumich plays full forward and he goes in at centre-half forward Mm -hmm. because he's six foot seven. And, you know, myself and many others have tried to play centre-half forward with minimum success. Uh, And I think that, you know, when you reflect on that position at West Coast, they've done a pretty good job with a makeshift centre-half forward, even in the the 2018 Premiership. So, you know, from that aspect, that's where I'd have him in the all-time side of West Coast right to this point right now. I'd I'd have him firmly at centre-half forward because uh, he's a a big man. He could easily – and you know how centre-half forwards played these days. They roll up and down the Mm. field. To me, the positional play that used to exist back in my day doesn't really exist today, to be perfectly honest. Uh, And sometimes you see these forwards running as far as what midfielders are, if not further in some cases, because they've got to run further to get to the zone to protect the defensive side of the game, which is something that didn't really exist back in our day either. I mean, Summer hardly ever left the 50-metre zone. But to, to boot 700-plus goals, to play his 271st game, which he'll play this weekend, to leapfrog Darren Glass, who was a Dow defender, like Shannon Hearn, who is the game's record holder, and like Glenn Jakovic, who has played the second-most games at West Coast, to be a key forward, to play that many games, to impact the scoreboard as many times as he has, to win a premiership like all of the other players that I've just mentioned, I think uh, speaks volumes. Yep.
And if you had to put him in a pecking order, which would be pretty difficult, he'd be top five, would he? Yeah, well, look, I always have, I always have midfielders as, mm. as the best. And I think that, you know, when you consider blokes like Judd uh, and guys like Cousins and Kerr, Matera and Kemp, I, I would always have players in the middle of the ground because I think that's where the best players play. And I think that when you look at the modern-day midfielder, when you've got guys like a Paddy Cripps who, who comes from, you know, the same era as a lot of blokes that we've seen play AFL footy up there in Northampton, to actually see a bloke who's six foot four, six foot five, running around in the middle of the field as fluently as they do is just unbelievable. So um, from that aspect, I'd have him... Uh, lower than a few of those midfielders I've just mentioned. But as a key position player, I think he just about trumps a lot of them. I know Jacko won four first and best, but he was mixed mate. Right? <laughs> and it was it was often when I'd drive past Mick's house that Jacko's pushing the lawnmower out the front. So 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 that that's probably something that is a coach's vote because that's how it used to be back then. Uh, but very good player, had some great duels with Wayne Carey. But I think that, you know, when you when you consider the impact that he's had on the game for the club as a key position player. He's just about, for me, at the top of the tree. Terrific. Thanks for the chat, Carl. No worries. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. I reckon I'll be sleeping here tonight. I'm just looking out the SENWA windows. Unbelievable the weather. It is just coming in sideways and the wind is howling at an excessive rate of knots. I reckon it's about 80 kilometres at the moment. The trees are basically at right angles. Anyway, let's hope it subsides in the next 20 minutes. So don't worry about my problems. Let's get back to sport and let's look at the Commonwealth Games and some of the big moments overnight. Of course, Kyle Chalmers said it took all his strength and courage to win his third gold medal at the Games in Birmingham in the men's 100 metres freestyle. Kyle, he broke the Games record on his way into this final. Kyle Chalmers in front. Coming at him is Tom Dean, the silver medalist from the 200. The Chalmers story. It keeps getting bigger and better. There's the gold medal for Kyle. The 100 free. He's the Commonwealth champion. Yeah, congratulations to him. But, of course, he, uh, he's been certainly under pressure somewhat to try and justify that everything's okay with Cody Simpson and Emma McKeon and all that. And this is what he said at the... Uh, at the post-race uh, interview and press conference regarding his gold medal. It's special. It's special to win. But unfortunately, I think it's hard to enjoy the moment when all that's happened has gone on. It makes it a very, very challenging time. Um, I'm grateful that I was able to block it out enough to stand up and win tonight, but I just hope that no one... I hope this is a learning point for everyone and, you know, we're... No one else has to go through what I've had to go through the last couple of days. Um, it's been very challenging. Yeah, good on him. Well done to Cole Chalmers. And, of course, Emma McKeon, she won a gold again last night. Now Emma just moving forward. Not a great deal between them. McKeon, Barrett, Gallagher. Emma's in front. Now it's about hanging on and timing it out. Holly Barrett's moving up. It's tight. Does Emma get the touch? Yes, she does. She does it again. A dozen for Emma. Yeah, well done to her. 12 uh, Commonwealth Games gold medals there to Emma McKeon. Let's just update what else has happened in sport. Uh, all thanks uh, to th- buy three and get one free on selected Kumo passenger car and SUV tyres now at Tire Power. And you certainly uh, make sure you've got the right tyres on your car. 
particularly with the weather conditions that are prevailing at the moment. As I said, a lot has been discussed regarding the Live Golf Tournament and the series. It's in his first season. And it appears, uh, and it was confirmed by Greg Norman last night, that Live Golf offered a figure of between $997 million and $1.1 billion Australian to Tiger Woods in an attempt to lure the 15-time major winner away from the PGA Tour. And uh, you'll hear now this interview uh, that was conducted with Tucker Carlson on the Fox News Network in the United States about whether that was true and which Norman confirms it was, and also the other workings inside Live Golf and also the resistance from the PGA Tour. Here's Greg Norman. What is the business model? I mean, you're you're not signing your players to an exclusivity contract at all. They can play wherever yep. they, else they want. Yep. There are no TV rights at this point. You're streaming it for free. Yep. They're putting a huge amount of money into it. That's obvious just from sitting here. So how does the revenue arrive? Well, the revenue will come in once we launch the league, right? This year is a startup. Yes. Right? Because, quite honestly, back in February when we were ready to start up, there was a few obstacles thrown in our way from the PGA Tour. And so we had to pull our reins back a little bit. For our viewers who aren't following it, can you give us a sense of those obstacles? Well, that's when the book came out about Phil Mickelson. There was some Phil Mickelson made some not so complimentary remarks about the Saudi, Saudi, where the money came from and Saudi Arabia. And then the snowballs and create a bit of a dominoes or a scary effect. And the PGA Tour came in and they obviously did the right thing and trying to protect their monopoly came in and the, the players backed off a little bit. So we had to regroup. We're ready to sign the next week. We're ready to sign multiple players and launch the league. So we decided to take a step back, analyze the situation. We knew our model was where it was. We knew our investor was still there. He wasn't going anywhere. The money was in the bank, right? So we just made an adjustment. And we worked around every obstacle that's been thrown in our path. So we came up with the invitational series to beta test lists, right? Now, with the fans, Tucker, we did a survey for nearly 12 months around the world, asking fans from different tours, what are they like and what are they missing? And they came up, it was overwhelmingly more fan engagement, right? More fan experiences uh, and team sport. Give us more teams. And that's, we built the model around that. And our model is 100% built around the golf ecosystem from the ground up. So we're not trying to destroy the PGA Tour or the European Tour. We're there to work within the ecosystem to show that it's big enough space. It's a multi-billion dollar industry, right? Billions and billions of dollars in the game of golf. Why would sponsors drop golfers for participating in Live? That blows my mind. And sponsors, by the way, who spend billions of dollars in Saudi Arabia. The PGA Tour. That's <laughs> a, a good point. Right? The Can P- you give us examples? I'll I'm give interested. you a prime example. The PGA Tour, I think, has about 27 sponsors on the PGA Tour, do 40 plus billion dollars worth of business on an annual basis in Saudi Arabia. Now, why doesn't the PGA Tour call the, the CEOs of each one of those organizations? Oh, sorry, we can't do business with you because you're doing business with Saudi Arabia. Why are they picking on the professional golfers? 
why the male professional golfers. Females, the LPGA Tour is sponsored by Aramco, right? Literally? Literally. The largest sponsor of women's golf in the world is Aramco. There, not one word has been said about them, right? But why is it why is it on the guys? Why are we the ogres? What have we done wrong? We're independent contractors. We have a right to go play wherever we want in the world for whatever we want. So what do you think that's about? It's clearly not about principle, obviously. So what is it about? It's a monopoly. They just want to shut us down whatever way they can, right? So they'll use whatever leverage point they can to shut us down. And they're not. They're not going to shut us down because the product's speaking for itself. We have my phone um, almost on a daily basis gets calls every day from players, one in, I want in, can I, how can I join Live? Can I, I tell them, I'm so sorry, the shop is closed. So the list gets longer and longer and longer for the players who want to come in. Which again, it's a testament to the, the right white noise. Why is it so offensive to some American golf fans that you're doing this? What are they mad about? I don't know. I really don't care, quite honestly. I just love the game of golf so much, and I just want to grow the game of golf. And and we at Live see that opportunity. We at Live see it not just for the men, but for the women. We at Live see it for NCAA and younger generations. We at Live see it as a pathway to opportunities for these kids to experience a, a new world out there. Live is the future of golf. And it's in more, it's just, that's a very simple phrase and comment. But is live is the future of golf because you have you don't see what we see in the future, you don't see what we want to invest in, in the future. CSR programs, education programs, all this stuff that's out there that we want to get involved with for golf and growing the game of golf. So you keep reading that you offered Tiger Woods seven eight hundred billion dollars, some mm -hmm. unknown number, to join Live. Is that true? That number was out there before I became CEO. So that number's been out there, yes. Yeah. And look, Tiger's a needle mover, right? Yeah. So, of course, you got to look at the best of the best, you know? So um, they had originally approached Tiger before I became CEO. So, yes, that number is somewhere in that neighborhood. <laughs> in that neighborhood, about 900 million to 1.1 billion. And I was actually talking to a couple of staff members uh, before I came on. I'm just wondering how much Greg Norman's getting paid to be the CEO of Live Golf. Probably wouldn't be uh, shy of what they were offering, I reckon, Tiger Woods, because he's the face, he's the spokesperson. And the big question will be whether Cameron Smith, uh, and there's been a lot of conjecture, uh, but yet there's been no movement on whether he will join the Live Golf team. And that'd be a huge scalp for the uh, organisers if uh, the Australian does sign up to Live Golf. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Just some other sports news. Uh, Australia's mission to qualify for football's World Cup. And, of course, the World Cup is happening in November. November 21, it gets underway. And it happens every four years. Well, it just got a little bit easier with FIFA announcing extra qualification spots for the Asian Football Confederation. That's where Australia does play. With the World Cup in 2026 in the USA, Canada, Mexico, it will be a 48-team tournament up from the traditional 32 nations. And the Asian Football Confederation is said to be granted eight direct qualification positions for the big event. Now, the new AFC qualifying format will see Australia enter at the second qualifying stage along as part of 36 nations with nine groups of four playing off in a round-robin format to see the top two teams 
progress. And then 18 nations that qualify from stage two will be placed into three groups of six with the top two teams in each group progressing directly to the World Cup. So that's going to be what's going to happen after Qatar with the uh, 2026 event being staged in the United States, Mexico and Canada. And cricket star Mitchell Stark uh, will arrive in Birmingham this week, uh, but his eyes may be focused away from the Edgbaston Cricket Stadium, where his wife, Elisa Healy, is leading Australia's women's cricket charge. Australia almost certain probably to pick up a gold medal there. Australia have started with consecutive wins following a scare against India in their opener, but Stark hasn't been in the stands. Instead, he was back home to attend uh, Pat Cummings' wedding uh, that happened in Byron Bay last Friday, but he's sure to be in the stands watching the women's bid to win the maiden Commonwealth Games T20 gold. But he'll also be lured to watch his brother Brandon, who is competing in the high jump at the Birmingham game. So a couple of uh, very interesting events and people that he'll be following, Mitchell Stark, our Australian left-arm fast bowler, watching his wife, Elisa, in the Australian T20 competition and also his brother, Brandon, who's competing in the high jump. Just before I go, a couple of other little points to point out regarding footy. Uh, A lot has been said about Luke Jackson. Uh, Kim Hagdorn had his say that it may be an unsettling factor currently at the the Fremantle Dockers because uh, players are not knowing exactly where they do stand, Sean Darcy being one and maybe a couple of other players as well, which may lead to maybe the performances of certain players in recent weeks. This is what Simon Goodwin said on Luke Jackson on AFL 360 last night. Yeah, look, I've had some great chats with Luke and some real honest chats about um, we just want him to perform for the Melbourne Footy Club, however long that may be. And that's what our focus has been, whether that's 10 weeks, whether that's the next 10 years. Um, And he's been really open about having those discussions and he's fully committed to Melbourne for that period of time. And our responsibility as a club is to be mature in our approach towards that and and get the best out of Luke for however long he's at our footy club. And those conversations have been had with Luke. He's embraced it. Um, He needs time to make his decision and we actually don't know what the situation looks like. And we've said to Luke all along, you take as much time as you need. This is a big decision. He's 21. Um, You know, he's got a chance to go home um, at some stage throughout his career and he's got a footy club that he loves uh, at the moment. So tough, it's, a, it's a big decision for him to make. I've had a couple of chats to Daniel during the, the season. These are challenging times for players and they've got to make decisions about their futures and uh, I, I just wanted to make sure that Daniel felt supported and also to encourage him that he just play the best football he can for the rest of the year and whatever decision he makes at the end uh, he makes. Hopefully he decides to stay with the Lions, but if he, if he doesn't, uh, he's, he's given us great service and, and we're, we're grateful for, for what he's contributed to the club. So there you go on the tail end. That was Chris Fagan, the uh, Brisbane Lions coach, who was also featured on AFL 360 last night, talking about Daniel McStay, who also is out of contract and a bit of conjecture regarding where he could possibly be playing uh, next season. Fagan also went on to talk about uh, where Brisbane sit at the moment and the fact that many have actually put a line through the lines for the flag this season. No, I understand that people want to comment on the game and that they're gonna, they've got to have strong opinions because that's why people want to watch and listen to media. So fully understand that. But we can't we can't get caught up in that. I mean, this time last year, I think we, we had to win our last three games to finish in the top four and even that wasn't guaranteed. I think that happened in the last two minutes of the game. So so uh, you, know, you just take each week as it comes. It's a really tough and tight 
competition and if we can get back to our really best form, which we showed a strong glimpse of yesterday in the first half, then there's there's no reason why we can't be really competitive um, come September. You know, we're not we're not a perfect team. We've got uh, strengths and weaknesses like every other team, but when we play at our best, we're, we're pretty hard to beat, as, as people saw in the first half yesterday. There you go. I uh, hope you enjoyed the program. Certainly a lot uh, contributing uh, towards uh, the big announcement today of Josh Kennedy deciding to say farewell to AFL footy. Here's Swan Song being against the Adelaide Crows here at Optus Stadium on Sunday. It looks like the rain's abated for now. I'm getting out of here. I'll see you tomorrow at 5 for Drive with Peter Vlahos. Thanks, Lee. Thanks, Jimmy.